Hello, this is Pastor John Edding. Today's sermon is called The Watchman. I realize that this is also the name of the famous comic series of the same name from the mid-1980s. The comic book used the title because Ezekiel had so embedded this term into the language via the Bible. God does not desire the death of the sinner, but their repentance. And and this is not just an Old Testament thing. If you don't believe me, then read today's gospel reading for this Sunday, Matthew 18, verses 1 through 20, in addition to the short passage from Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 33, 7-9. God's impending wrath is only half of the story. Jesus, his death and resurrection, his love for sinners, his redemption of you and me is the other and better half of that story. God called Ezekiel to warnings, which we cannot forget. But Jesus calls us on this side of the cross and empty tomb to proclaim the good news of forgiveness. We have a calling from God to witness to both God's judgment and forgiveness. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The watchman stands on the wall of the city. He's able to see into the distance. And when he sees the enemy, he blows his horn. He warns the people of the city. He calls the people to battle. See, your enemy is coming. What the watchman sees, he speaks to the people in the city. He gets the attention of the people of the city. You are in danger. Your enemy is coming. Prepare for battle. Wow, that will get your attention. God changes the imagery of the watchman a bit in our reading from Ezekiel today. The watchman is going to listen. He will hear a word from God, and then he'll speak that word of God. Verse 7, so you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. And whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. And if you were Ezekiel, that word of God would get your attention. Because notice that the language here is not specific and concrete. It is not, hey, stop stealing your, your neighbor's cattle. No, it's a broad warning of God's law. O wicked one, you shall surely die. When was the last time that we've heard that particular phrase, you shall surely die? The last time that we heard God speak this way was in the second chapter of the Bible in Genesis. God was laying down the law to the man, Adam, verse 15 Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, if you were the man and then later the woman in the Garden of Eden, that last part. On that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That would have gotten 
your attention. We sang from the hymn, The Law of God is Good and Wise. And let me repeat verse 1. The law of God is good and wise and sets his will before our eyes, shows us the way of righteousness and dooms to death when we transgress. <laughs> we sang this also during our Thursday uh, Bible class and we joked, you know, what would happen if we had only had one verse or we only sang that one verse, uh, verse one. Yeah, that's right. Yikes. And that verse gets your attention. And now that the Lord has our collective attention, <laughs> let me propose the following theme uh, for our message today. God has laws which are in place for our good. And God warns us when we come close to breaking these laws. So again, God has laws which are in place for our good and he warns us when we come close to breaking those laws. Back to our Old Testament reading again from Ezekiel, all of this traditional imagery, the language of the watchman is being spoken to a people who are in a world where everything about their life of faith has been ripped apart. Ezekiel is speaking to exiles they have been taken to Babylon. The temple has been destroyed. The sacrificial system is gone, and you are now living in a strange new city and a strange new land. The length of the exile in Babylon would be 70 years. As an exile, you might be tempted to think this way. I'm just imagining here. My sacrificial system is gone. My temple is gone. I am placed in a new land. I don't see anything of the old world anymore. So maybe it's just time for me to cut my losses and start anew. We are exiles. We are spread out from each other in this land. And the kingdom has fallen apart. And so let's just move on. It's a new day. Let's just pick up the pieces and... Move on. And yet, and yet, God has a word for people who are living in a world that has become vastly different. And there is no wall, but I am giving you a watchman, says the Lord. I'm appointing one who is going to, a, to speak a word that helps you recognize the kingdom. The word itself and the sending of the watchman itself is a gracious act. Even though it is kind of a scary word. <laughs> it is an amazing, gracious thing. We, we know it is a gracious thing because God doesn't want death for the wicked. I mean, he says so in verse 11. This is the verse um, that comes right after our reading in chapter 33. This is important for our, this context is really important for us to understand what, what God wants. God doesn't want the death. He doesn't want death for the wicked. He wants life 
He wants them to turn and to live. Verse 11, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? So there is a word about life. God's desire is for people to have life, not death. And the word is calling people away from the things that lead to death and and toward a way that leads to life. Now, maybe this is a, a bad analogy, but the best advice that I got from my driving instructor when I, when I was 16 years old and learning how to drive was watch those lines on the road. <laughs> watch those lines on the road, especially when you can't see the road very well. Then look at the lines, especially on the edge of the road. And let those lines guide you when you can't see the road very well. Now, You know, in addition to those lines, um, nowadays we have those rumble strips, right? Right on the outside of those lines Um, that will warn you, wake you up (laughs) so that you can, oh, correct. It is funny to say, but the the driving instructor, my driving instructor was was kind of a, a watchman for me. When I have been driving in the dark, And you know, that guy, that fellow who forgets to turn off their brights, and you're blinded, and you cannot see the road. I listen, uh, I remember the words of my watchman driving instructor, and I look for that line, and I keep uh, driving guided by that line. And whether I'm driving in a snowstorm or even during a heavy rainstorm during the day, I will look to that white line. And I don't know how many times that I have followed his advice, but following it has kept uh, myself and my family safe uh, from veering off into a ditch or losing my way or getting into an accident, um, incurring an injury or even death. My driving instructor's goal was to keep people from dying while driving. The words of my driving instructor were both, you could say, both good and wise. The law, the God's law is the same way. It is both good and wise. And Ezekiel was talking to the house of Israel, and this is not him going to the nations with this message. It's the house of Israel. It's the believers. So place yourself in the place of the exiles. God is giving you this imagery and this language to let you know that his kingdom is still in this place. Imagine God saying, I want you to imagine that the kingdom is still here. I want you to imagine that I still bring about the kingdom through the words that I speak. And yes, they are words of warning, but when you are displaced and you're taken to a world that is completely different, you need words of warning to help you figure out how to live in the land. You see, the goal of the imagery of the watchman and these words is to keep people from dying. The goal is to help people who are living in a world that has gone so haywire that they have no idea how to walk the way. You and I want to walk the way and we need somebody to tell us where the lines are because it's crazy out there. 
So the watchman is calling the lines for you so that you are free to live. You are free to try to live. It, it feels like we are in exile, uh, that things have crumbled in society. It is not what it used to be. So how do we continue to be Christians? I don't want to walk away from the church. You don't either. You and I want to remain Christian in a world that has gone haywire. And we are trying the best that we can. And we can thank God 10,000 times upon 10,000 times upon 10,000 times, that is forever, <laughs> for bringing watchmen, women, into our lives who have nurtured us in our faith. And who are they? It may be different for you, but a parent, a spouse, a grandparents, godparents, teachers, brothers and sisters in Christ. From the beginning, God has given us a remedy for sin. He walked through the garden calling our, our rebellious first parents after they ate the forbidden fruit. He still calls sinners to repent and be forgiven in Christ, and he does that through you and me. God wants to deal with the sin Problem. And he says that is important. Jesus in the gospel reading says it is important. Beware of anybody, you know, who, who leads a person to sin. Do whatever you can to get rid of that sin. So that is why he established the church on earth. And that is why he called you into its ranks through baptism. Your silence in the face of sin is not an option. Ezekiel was told that he would be responsible for the death of the unwarned man. He was not responsible for their repentance, but he was responsible for his own words. Is, is there someone in your life who needs to hear a call to repent? Do it. This sermon wants to remember the purpose of the law in this process. We have all too often jumped to the gospel which then becomes no good news. I liken it to throwing a life preserver to a man who doesn't think he is in danger. He will be angry and may charge you with assaulting him. But if he perceives himself in danger, you become his hero and savior by heaving that same life preserver to him. The key is he may need help seeing his dire situation the vortex of God's wrath, which is approaching. But just, just warning people is not the end of the story. Just as a doctor who walks into a room and tells you that your appendix is infected, it's inflamed and about to burst, he doesn't simply walk out of the room at that point. He and his staff put you on a gurney and wheel you into the operating theater to get that thing out before it ruptures and kills you. He saves your life. And just a few verses after these, God flat out says that he has no delight in the death of the wicked, but would that all Israel repent and live. And Jesus sends his disciples out to proclaim, not law, but good news. And at the same time, they proclaim to a generation which understood their need for God, and when they did not, they told them. Read Paul's letters. They are masterful 
treatments of law and gospel. And don't be afraid to speak the truth even when it hurts. The surgeon must cut to excise that infected appendix. The man in danger has something to be made aware of it before action can be taken to save him. But also let God's warning to Ezekiel be heard. As the baptized, this is really not optional for us. If we selfishly claim salvation and do not share it, then it slips through our fingers like a fistful of water. It must be shared. As it was shared with us, by those who taught and nurtured us in the faith. God has made us watchmen. The hymn, the law of God is good and wise, does not stop after verse 1. Praise God. <laughs> Let's stand and sing the last two verses. Amen. Amen.